What's going on, Spitfires? Welcome back to another episode of the Spitfire Podcast. We are a bunch of Spitfires hoping to inspire the Spitfire within you. And today, uh, I am joined by a fellow Spitfire coach. She is not the Spitfire coach. I mean, I got the t-shirt and all. But we are talking about the stuff that is impacting you in the workplace and outside of it. Uh, We just were geeking out ahead of time about the incoming workforce tsunami. It is as scary as you think it is. And depending on where you are in the wave, you might be sailing to your next opportunity or you might have that wave crash on you and take you out. I am joined by my good friend, Amy. Amy, I didn't even ask you how to pronounce your last name. So, you know. It's Can. Can. Amy can. She she can do it. (laughs) Amy, tell our listeners a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, So I was in corporate um, in marketing for more than 20 years. And in my last role, I was there for a decade helping grow a company that um, was in digital media and uh, built the marketing department up. uh, And then one day the tsunami crashed on me. Um, And, you know, it was actually a lot of lead up to it, but I was laid off along with most of the senior team. And it was a really startling thing for me to be back uh, looking for a job. At the time, I was in my late 40s, and I felt I had given so much to this company, and new management came in, and you know, it was it was a whole new ball game. It led me on this whole path of figuring out what was next. And you know, I think like many people. I grew up, you know, sort of in this framework, you know, college, and then I got a graduate degree. And, you know, I I was living within the confines of expectation. And, you know, my husband actually said to me when I was in the, you know, post layoff phase of uh, uh, said, you know, you can do whatever you want. And I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Um, And eventually I got there. So um, I was doing a lot of work on myself and I really enjoyed that. And I found meditation and, uh, you know, all this self-help stuff. And I realized it took me a very long time for the penny to drop that uh, I could help other people with the things I was learning. And, you know, I looked into coaching and I saw coach training and I was like, oh, my God, like this would be so amazing because I can train in keep doing what I'm doing. And, you know, so that's, that's really uh, how I became a coach. And then for coaching, um, I work, I started off working exclusively with women and it's all based on my experience, right? As I was in a tech company. I was in on senior teams with men mostly. Uh, and I, it was very difficult to be a young mother at the time. Um, working my way through with men who didn't have the same responsibilities at home that I did. Uh, So I was helping work with emerging women leaders on some of the challenges they had in, you know, coming up through a company. Uh, And now it's more broad because one of the things I've realized is that you've got to work with men too, if we're going to change the uh, gender equity picture. So um, not that I don't love working with men, but uh, I think, you know, it's about, everybody rising up. So that's what I do. I work with, um, I work in companies. I work on um, emotional intelligence, building up emotional intelligence and using some of my background as context, helping people communicate better. 
Awesome. And, and what a great segue for the topic that we're diving into today, because there is inequity around our current experience working from home. The pandemic has yeah. created new constraints, a whole different level of inequity. So you were talking about a study uh, that really stuck out to you as like, whoa, we got to focus on this. What is that study? Yes. Yes. So um, I recently saw data and I, I, I will find the attribution um, <laughs> towards the end because I hate to not, not give credit where it's due. But I saw this survey that basically said one in four employees is planning on leaving their company when the pandemic is over. And so that first was like, holy cow, that's a lot of people that are leaving companies and I, you know, HR and these companies, you know, senior teams better be prepared. But the, the, the thing that's even more astounding is when you look just at millennials and just at uh, women or actually parents with children who are learning from home, that number goes to one third, one in three, which is just an astounding number. And I think, you know, Obviously, when you're talking with parents, there's so much data that if you overlay it, probably leads to the majority of the parents being women who would be leaving their jobs. Um, but millennials, too, I mean, that's the majority of the workforce, right? So when you bring that to one third and, and you couch it in that, that millennial um, age band, it's going to be an incredible loss for companies. Yeah. So if we look at the tsunami, we have kind of, you know, let's let's look at how a tsunami is made. There is usually some sort of turbulence under the surface. So right. an earthquake, uh, which could be the pandemic, or it could have happened long before uh, that was building pressure related yep. to situations that weren't working for parents, situations that weren't working for millennials, situations that weren't working for people of color, situations that weren't working for women. And, and really, it's everybody who isn't in the majority stakeholder decision maker? And what have been, what are those impacts that have been building over time? Yeah, I mean, and it's incredible. I think also about a tsunami, right? The waves go out right before it crashes back in. So there's this like build of energy. And, you know, a lot of this, so, so burnout is the most immediate reason why I think people are planning on leaving. But the buildup is people who were planning on leaving before, you know, they, there were a whole bunch of people. And, and I think, you know, it was pretty well documented, um, the number of people you know, who, who were planning on leaving their jobs, say 2019. And then the, the I was going to say the tsunami, the pandemic hit and people dug their heels in because it wasn't a good time to leave. Mm -hmm. And in fact, turnover rates, I believe in 2020, were the lowest. Mm -hmm. Um and now, you know, that the, 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 it's all come back, the pandemic ends and it's like, psh, right? Yeah. The crash. And the burnout, I mean, you know, again, like there's so much data around what this period, the last year has caused for people um, for so many reasons. I mean, obviously there's the, the toll on health and, and family and relationships, um, caused by people getting sick. I mean, that's one thing. The stress of having children at home and trying to do multiple jobs, um, 
I think it was an extra 15 hours a week of work that women specifically were taking on in home care, child care, um, on top of their jobs. You had people who um, were, you know, you had uh, furloughs and layoffs going on. And then you have people who need to, the people that remain having to pick up the slack. There's even more work. The breaks of commuting (laughs) are gone. You like roll out of bed and go to your desk, right? Um, And then, you know, just the stress of working from home because it may be a space issue and then inequities come up and, you know, and on and on and on. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's real and how companies are going to um, deal with it is going to be really interesting. And uh, I think, you know, I keep saying that if you look at what take millennials um, what they're really interested in, in out of their job, out of their companies, um, development, per, you know, professional development ranks really high up there. And then when you take this whole idea of like the burnout, to me, the solution of coaching and leadership development and professional development starts sounding pretty good because, you know, when you coaching and per- particular, you know, as coaches, we coach the whole person. It's not just about, you know, coaching skills. It's about dealing with what's underneath and what's going on. And so there's, there's an element of wellness in there. Um, And certainly it's about support. Um, So to me, there seems to be a huge opportunity for looking more at coaching and how that can help support employees and hopefully keep them at your company, retain them. Yeah. I mean, w- what I see is, is this kind of reshaping of what professional development is and, and at the core of it, it's an investment. It's seeing the employee as an asset rather than a replaceable cog or, or, you know, manpower that you can just sub in. And, and I think that even shifting that mentality and that mindset of anyone can be replaced at any time to we are looking for future talent and we believe that you have potential and we are going to invest in that process. Um, Back in the day, you know, not even five, 10 years ago, only the C-suite had access to executive coaching. And I think that created an even larger disparity in the pipeline of leaders. No question. And I think, you know, if it's hard, you know, people get very uncomfortable. I heard, I've heard a few of us say, you know, talk about the good things that have come out of the pandemic and obviously mm-hmm. not to negate all the really difficult um, hardships that people have faced, but um, on the more positive side, I think it's really accelerated this idea of human centric leadership, which, you know, it was there before and, um, you know, you had pledges and, and you could say the same thing about, um, you know, equity in the workplace, whether it's gender or people of color or, or any kind of, you know, any kind of um, biases and, and bringing more equity to the, to the leadership table. Um, but, but looking at human-centric, lead, lead, human-centric leadership, where it isn't the cog in the wheel idea, but it is really valuing the individual um, and the contributions that people make you know, when you embrace their whole self and, and all of that, 
Um, I think it's really accelerated during the pandemic as people have no choice but to get to know the people they work with more, to see what they're going through. Um, empathetic leadership has become really big, having compassion, um, all these really important skills, you know, emotional intelligence skills. Yeah, I also noticed in the pandemic how ill-equipped a lot of people are, myself included at times, of, of just being able to admit when you don't have the answers or admit when you need a break or admit that you're not a superhero and you don't have, you know, constantly charging batteries. Um, and, and I, you know, we talk about vulnerability in the office, but I, but I think it's beyond that. It's just the, the honesty of limitations and thresholds. And I don't think people really felt comfortable having those conversations until now. Agreed. And I, I, I would question whether everybody does, but oh, I think I don't those think do. that do, yeah. <laughs> but th those that do in a way, like I, I hate to say win, but you know, I think I, what that does for your team, if you're a leader who's able to say like, I'm taking a break because I, I need a mental health day, right? You're modeling this behavior that says it's okay. We all have this. And, you know, if you need a break, you should take it too. And this is going to be required. I mean, again, going to that, you know, tsunami, this is what's going to determine whether people stay or go. Definitely. And, and there is such a contrast of talking the talk and actually walking the talk. Yeah. And I think that is what a lot of employees are now aware of as this is just a bunch of lip service that's for the outside exterior versus the internal corporate culture that I experience on a daily basis. I, I no question. I completely agree with you. So there's also this question of this has come up for I brought because I brought this study up with a client. We were talking about it. And my client said, well, the grass is not usually greener. So what would meaning, you say to your client meeting? Yeah. I can leave this situation, but what's going to ensure that this is going to be a better opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. So what I would say is what you know <laughs> is what you're in, right? What you're experiencing now, it, you know what that looks like, but you can't predict what, what's on the other side, right? Mm -hmm. So you do your due diligence, you find out as much as you can, um, you know, but what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, it, it sort of seems like if where you, it, where, where you are today, and, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I'm pretty passionate about this too. Um, if where you are today is not where you want to be, you have, you have a choice. <laughs> you can stay and just suck it up or find something else. Um, and, and I say I'm passionate because that company that I talked about being with for a decade, I had some good times, but no question I should have left sooner. And I think that's true for most people. Um, I didn't need to wait to be kicked out. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, one of the problems often is that you're go, 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 and you don't have enough time to think and fear comes up and you're comfortable and you, you kind of are like, you know, better the devil I know. Mm -hmm to use coach language, how true is that? Right, right. right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of that, 
that icky space of tolerating situations that aren't working for you. And while it's not painful per se, it's that constant rub against things that aren't working. That's dulling you out. That's exhausting you. That's making you less efficient and hence burnout. And draining. I mean, it's so draining, you know? Um, And, and I think, you know, I, I, I also have come across so many of my clients that it takes a long time to get past, you know, the fear and, it, and there's so many reasons why not to go, right? Mm-hmm. You can come up till the cows come home, yeah. money. And I really like the people I work with. I hear that one a lot. And it's like, so like, does that mean you can't stay in touch? Don't, if they're good relationships, don't you keep them? Well, that, yeah. it's, it's almost like being in the trenches. Like when you have, when you're in such an awful situation, you have the camaraderie of like your fellow soldiers and you're in the muck with each other. Right. But it's almost like when you, when you have distance from it, you realize you were in survival mode and you were actually feeding that, that <sighs> drama cycle. Absolutely. And, and again, it goes to that, like just draining energy because it's such a negative cycle, right? It's, I mean, it, it really it doesn't help anybody. And it, it's always a question now, <laughs> now that I know better that I ask is like, is it, you know, is it serving you or you, is it helping you move forward or is it pulling you down? Right. And I, I think you, you brought up an interesting point that, that has been ringing true for me lately, which is when we go through an educational system where we have clear expectations of what we're supposed to do in order to be successful. And then we work in companies where we have very clear expectations and roles and delineation and hierarchy. When we think about choice, when we think about, well, what does serve me and what do I want? It is such a foreign concept because we have been in this, how do I serve you so that I get recognition in the way that I'm supposed to? It, it, it's so crazy because, you know, it wasn't until I was, you know, of a certain age until I learned all this really fundamental mm-hmm. stuff, right? Like, yes, you actually always have a choice. I and mean, how often do we say like, I just have no choice or I didn't have a choice. And it's like, yay, challenge that, right? Mm-hmm. But, but when you, as you said, when you're in it and until you're almost re-educated, you are like in this, you know, you've got blinders on to some extent. And sometimes it's just, you know, it may not change what you do. It might not change your action. So if it's staying at a company as an example, right? So maybe you'll still stay at your company, but you've seen it as a choice to stay rather than defaulting because you have no choice, right? It's much more empowering. Absolutely. Well, it's the difference between being powerless and allowing someone else to dictate your future or being empowered to steer your own plan and path. Right. Right. And then I go back to, well, who benefits by us not doing that? And these companies that real realistically, they do not want empowered leaders because they have a system at the top that reinforces it. There are more and more companies that are waking up to this. But what what would you say to someone that is working in a system like that, where no matter what they do, how empowered they are, the choices that they're making, and they're like, if only I could do these three things, everything would be better. What would you say to them? Yeah. Um, It is about asking the questions, right? 
So, you know, how are you feeling? What do you, you know, I, I often find it, it does really come back to aligning your values. Like what's great about where you are, <laughs> come up mm-hmm. with, and if you can't come up with anything, then you really start entertaining. Okay. Well, what does great look like? What, what are your values and what would it look like to be in a company that honored those values? Mm-hmm. Right. And that was aligned with those values. What would that look like for you? Right. I think, you know, it's sort of, it, it's like that chipping away at, at the things that the mm-hmm. blinders that people put up. Yeah. Well, blinders are great when you're uh, a horse and you're running uh, <laughs> right. in the Kentucky Derby, but not so great if you want to enjoy the view and, <laughs> and have a manageable pace. <laughs> right. And those horses, they're running on a track in a circle. <laughs> and they're still getting hurt. <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> and they're keep going, going, right? <laughs> they keep going. Yeah. So let's, let's go back to the, the workplace tsunami. So yep. one in three of millennials, parents expected to leave one in four. What are the telltale signs that you were a company on the wrong side of the tsunami? Mm. You ought to be paying attention to your employees. So if you haven't heard your employees kind of saying that they're, they're, having a tough time, then you're not listening, right? Um, because I think everybody's having that. If you're also, if your employees aren't taking some time off, mm-hmm. shame on you, right? I mean, people, people are needing breaks. And I think, you know, one of the things I've heard is in companies where um, there's no vacation policy, right? A lot of tech companies, mm-hmm. for example, it's, it's open. You, you take as much time as you need people aren't taking the time. Um, so I think taking, you know, when there's no place to go, <laughs> um, it can be really hard for people to recognize that, um, you know, just cause you're not going on vacation doesn't mean you shouldn't take the time. So companies need to be paying attention to people taking time off. And if they're not put something some, in place that, you know, maybe it's like every other Friday or, you know, something, that requires people to take some time. Um, so I think it's it's that, it's the um, uh, n- taking the temperature of your employees and knowing how they're feeling. I think to some extent, all companies are gonna have some of it because it's, it's I mean, it's just where we are right now. Um, it's what you do about it. Another stat I saw that was really interesting that kind of plays into um, talent development is this was, this one I remember is um, DDI came out with their um, leadership forecast, not exact name, close, 2021, where they, they uh, surveyed leaders globally, a lot of them. And the number one concern that CEOs had was um, developing the, the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that was 55%, I believe, of CEOs said that that was their number one concern. That was the highest rank. So again, you know, I mean, great to see. You want to move people up. People are moving out. Um, yeah, I think there's there's a, a great deal of opportunity for companies to be paying attention um, and thinking about what their employees need right now. Mm-hmm. I've also seen the uh, lack of clarity and transparency for career mapping. 
Yeah. They're like, yeah, yeah we want to build leaders, but we're not going to tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> right. Where do I go? And I'm going to throw another one on the pile. Sponsorship, right? Mm. Especially for um, people of color, women, um, people in, in, you know, who are minority populations in companies. So let's you, define what sponsorship is. What do yeah. you see sponsorship as? So sponsorship is um, instead of mentorship where you are uh, helping somebody like through uh, counseling, say, or, you know, working with them, sponsorship is talking about them. So it's really raising their profile in the organization so that they are get more opportunities for cool projects, um, you know, whatever it may be, opportunities ultimately for promotion. But it's really be about raising somebody's profile, you know. What do you see the difference between sponsorship and advocacy? Advocacy feels to me it's more like a, a group rather than an individual, like advert, ad, ad, I mean, you can advocate on someone's behalf and I think that's part of sponsorship. Um, I, in some ways I think sponsorship's broader mm -hmm. in that it can be, you know, literally talking about somebody to the CEO and saying, you know, there's this person I've noticed in a meeting who just, they're really bright. We should consider them for whatever right and that, that's an example of, of sponsorship um and it can be bigger like and more formalized um but i think that the mentorship is the bigger and sorry going back to your question i think that they're very aligned versus mentorship which is good but doesn't always have it's usually effect. behind closed doors it's it's that one-on-one -on -one. yeah i yeah, think and, yeah. and i i'm glad that we brought this up because i think that mentorship becomes kind of that like drop box for all things under take care of my career path with someone who's more experienced but yes. to have those specific functions defined is going to look very different for each person and who they they pick or or point out to help them along their way and you should absolutely have a mentor or mentors you should absolutely have an advocate and that's usually probably going to come from your people manager. And then sponsorship is not necessarily something that you should, you should be soliciting, but something that should be part of the team culture. Exactly. And it doesn't have to be a direct line, mm -hmm. right? Anybody can sponsor somebody, you know, anybody in a senior position can so sponsor somebody that they think has talent, has potential, um, you know, and, and you can have more than one sponsor. Hopefully you, you do. So this sounds like a really great challenge uh, for our listeners that are in senior leadership or in any type of leadership uh, position to look for three people around you that need some hyping up, that need to have their story told, that need to have a little light spotlight shown on them for all the great work they're doing. Yes, please. Yeah, please. I mean, it's, it's so, so important. And it's really important, you know, that the... the the more power you have, obviously, the more weight it has. Um, so it's not necessary. I mean, it's great when women sponsor women, but men, please look for the people whose voices may be a little uh, more hushed. Yeah. Right? And if you and if you can't think of anybody, then you need to start having different conversations. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, they're there. <laughs> yeah, so you've just been in your in your little cubby hole. <laughs> right. <laughs> come out, come out wherever you are. <laughs> I love that But imagine how that, what a shift that would be if rather than communication between leaders being performance improvement or or quotas or, you know, forecasting based on the position of the company and market share, it actually was a highlight reel of all of the awesomeness happening with their employees. I, oh my God. And, <sighs> and isn't, <laughs> bing. I mean, and that's, it. And some of that is, I think the shift that I hope, I'm an eternal optimist that we're making right now, you know? I think so. I, I think the the flip for consciousness has happened. Um, and the great thing is once you know, you can unknow. So it's not like we learn this stuff and then we, we're going to regress back to old ways. Um, and I, I think there is, there's a hunger for it. There is yeah. an appetite for it. And there's a palate for it. Yeah, I, I agree. And, it, you know, it's interesting what, what you just said reminded me of, again, I, I wouldn't say, you know, out of unrest, right? Hopefully comes change. And we certainly saw that this year. Um, and going back to, you know, even what I was saying about, um, you know, the acceleration of things and walking the talk. I think, you know, there were, there was a lot of lip service given before 2020 to a lot of things, mm -hmm. um, diversity, equity, and inclusion, gender equity, but, there were some really big step changes um, because of George Floyd and the other, um, you know, all the racial injustice that we saw in 2020, uh, you know, in addition to other things like, like budgets for, um, for employee resource groups, right? So if they even had them before, I, I know one company I'm working with uh, has a new head of, uh, DEI. And he said, like, his goal for the year was to have, I think he said, four ERGs up and running. And by the end of the year, he had seven, you know, I mean, and it's, and he's reporting on it to the CEO. Again, another, another clue, right, about, you know, the importance is, comes from the top. And if there isn't accountability, um, this stuff doesn't happen. So, sorry, I'm, I'm going in a little tangent, but I think it's really important that if you really want to get things done, you know, it gets ingrained in KPIs and bonuses, and you really put your money where your mouth is. And, uh, and that's how you kind of build this cultural change. And it has to happen on all levels. Like this isn't, um, I just put a memo out and we are the most diverse company in the world. <laughs> and it's, that was and, 2019. Right. It totally was. And into 2020 a little bit too. Um, yes. But also it isn't up to your employees to fix your company. And it isn't up for minorities to fix your company. Oh my gosh. Right. And, but, but, or, and um, what I'm seeing that's really interesting is when these ERGs are set up and they're really able to influence the company at a at a higher level, so it's it's both goes both ways, right? They're given the, the the ability to make change or to influence change, um, and they're coming to the table with some really impactful ideas on how to do it, and it gets ingrained in everything, 
right? It's not just about like, we have this nice little group over here. I mean, it goes into product changes and policy changes and um, it, it can be so powerful. So here's, here's my question. We, <laughs> we, we are forecasting a workforce workplace tsunami. What is the next trend that you predict that will follow that? After the tsunami. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I mean, it's not a short-lived thing, right? But I think the talent wars are going to be huge. Um, you know, Battle there's, Royale. Uh, right? the talent. <laughs> Again, like that was, that was, there was so much talk about that pre-pandemic. If you have all these people leaving, again, like huge. I know that, um, you know, the soft skills, <laughs> I don't really like that term, hence my air quotes. Um, but, but, you know, skill development is huge. Technical is part of it, but, you know, soft skills, emotional intelligence, also huge. Um, one of the things that I saw it was really, because I work in the emotional intelligence space, it's, it was a really interesting point for me was with AI coming on board um, and being integrated in everything, the need for EI is even greater because those are the skills that AI doesn't have yet, right? So- um, And it's got all the bias that comes along with it. Well, right, right. I mean, you're gonna need to imbue, right? So, So I think, you know, that's some of it, I think is, you know, the war for talent, uh, talent development, and I think a real focus on reten- retention. It's expensive to lose people. It really is. I don't think people realize how expensive it is until they look at their, their balance sheet at the end of the year, like, whoa, where did we spend all of our money? Ah, oh, it's like way more expensive to hire someone new than to work on developing someone you have. Um, and I think one other thing is, you know, that this whole idea that with hybrid, uh, you know, workplaces or fully remote in some cases, you know, where talent comes from, you know, boundaries are gonna be different. So, you know, where you needed to recruit locally before you have a broader field, uh, but the same goes for employees that potentially, you know, if, I, if I'm in New York, it's not really an issue if I work in LA. So, Very true. The lines, the lines don't even exist anymore. Yeah, they are. They've been redrawn and erased and thrown up in the air. It's crazy, and I think there's just so many unknowns as well. Like, I, I think it's crazy. And I'll put one, one more out there: the role of the CHRO or whatever the title is of the senior HR people um, is is just going to be much, much greater. And talk about like getting. You know, I think there is a lot of complaining about having a seat at the table. Oh, I think that's gonna change because the issues about workplace and wellness and mental health, um, you know, diversity, all these things, culture, you know, they're really at the fore post-pandemic, so. Yeah. Well, I, I am excited for the future. I am, I'm waiting with my popcorn to see the, the talent battles that are about to ensue, the talent wars, whether they're bots or they're like uh, sumo Ugh. suits, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Um, 
So if people are, are curious to learn more about how they can work with you, whether they're a corporation, they're, they're an individual within the corporation, how can they find you? Ah, uh, very simple, amycancoaching.com. So it's A-M-Y-K-A-N coaching.com. My website and all the information is there. Fantastic. And if you had to, to we love nuggets. So if you had yes. to send one nugget into the universe for everyone to absorb and put in their toolkit, what would it be? Listen, <laughs> listen to people, listen, listen to what people are saying. We were talking about it, you know, before, don't talk so much. <laughs> Um, Why are you talking? I don't mean that direct, uh, directly, <laughs> but yeah, but it's true, right? Listen, if you listen to what people are trying to tell you, um, you know, you, you just, you get to the root of a lot of it. It's not it's about real... you. Just listen. Just listen. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Amy, this was so much fun. I love like giggling and, and learning and geeking out on leadership and culture and DEI. Like it's awesome. Thanks for spending time with the Spitfire podcast. Make sure you guys are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that fun stuff. You can head on over to spitfirepodcast.com for so many more interviews uh, for people just as awesome as Amy. And uh, make sure you're subscribed, leave a review. And for all the Spitfires out there, you keep being awesome. Thanks, Lauren.